Hey, true crime friends, I'm Danny. And I'm Brenna. And, and this, this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listeners' discretion is advised. Hey, Bryn. It's nice to be back two weeks in a row. I could definitely get used to this. Yeah, it's been pretty fun, and especially for spooky season. Makes it worth it. Oh, yes, of course. So today's episode is quite scary in the fact that it is not out of the ordinary. I think cases that stem from common activities or day-to-day things scare me more than the gory and almost theatrical cases. Yeah, I could agree with that. So do you remember growing up when your parents would go trick-or-treating and you'd beg your parents please just one piece of candy while I'm out hitting the streets from house to house for the best candy oh I didn't even ask I was already eating it (laughs) (laughs) I was already eating it well this case brings a new meaning to the word no or at least what my parents would tell me when I would try to have a piece before checking each candy when we got home which I hated waiting to get home to check the candy, but loved the process of actually checking each one because I was definitely pulling the older sister card and would take my pile and then let my sisters fight for the rest of it because, you know, that's my right as the oldest sister. Yeah, my parents also did check the candy. <laughs> but, you know, and I don't know, maybe you'll prove me wrong. I thought that the razor blade thing happened maybe like once and then it was like actually like a hoax. So So our parents really checked candy to take the candy that they wanted. (laughs) I definitely think my dad has a a dad tax for anything he does. (laughs) Of course he does. So like one time I sold something on Facebook Market. It was $20. And he was like, oh, I'll send you the money after the dad tax. He literally sent me (gasps) $19.37. I was like, I can't. (laughs) I can't with you. But I definitely agree with the like – they would pick out the different candies beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I do know, and it's hard to see how much because you never know what was a hoax and what was turned in that someone did that. But there is definitely a lot of back and forth of I've heard like sewing needles and razor blades and things like that associated with this case of other candies brought up during this process but I don't know how many of those were like legit or, or if somebody did it and then just yeah the and news. I mean at the end of the day it's trick-or-treating candy would you really want to risk it without checking you yeah, know that's true so now let's take it back to Halloween night in 1974 it was one of those cooler Halloweens so those of you not from Texas listening Texas has this funny way of doing things and it could be beach weather October 30th but somehow Every Halloween, the temperature drops enough just to make Texans uncomfortable. As you know, we are not built for the cold. This Halloween played right into that narrative. It was cooler and it had been raining on and off, so rain jackets were a must this trick-or-treating season. This is important, so remember to keep that in mind. The O'Brien family was a family of four. Ronald and Danine O'Brien were parents of two. Their son, Timothy, who is eight, and their daughter, Elizabeth, who was five. They would start their Halloween festivities in having a dinner with the Bates family, a family friend of theirs. The Bates had two children as well. I could relate to this because growing up, each year before we would hit the streets for the best candy, and most years I would dress up as a gymnast. I know, crazy. I could not get enough every day at practice, and the one day I had off, (laughs) free to be whatever I wanted, I wanted to be the same thing I was every day, a gymnast. But anyway, 
We would have the best spaghetti dinner I have ever had to this day with a family friend of ours. I would have plates of spaghetti to the point that they would send my parents home with the leftovers. I still dream of this meal sometimes. And Mr. Bill, if you are listening, I'm on for spaghetti dinner this Halloween. Count me in for five plates. Yeah, count me in too. (laughs) Well, anyway, after the dinner, the dads decided to take three of the four kids out trick-or-treating. They would only go up and down two or three streets. One of the houses they stopped at, the lights were off, but the excitement got the best of them, and the kids would still want to check and see if anyone was home regardless. They waited a bit, but no answer. The kids and the Bates' father, Jim, would move on as Ronald followed behind. Moments later, Ronald reappeared, stated that he had found, quote, some rich neighbors, end quote, with the, quote, expensive treats, end quote, returning with some 22-inch pixie sticks. Ooh, pixie sticks are one of my favorites. Really? I never liked them. I felt my what? mouth got chalky. And- no, okay, so one memory real quick. At my dad's work, um, big company, and they would have this huge like family get-together party, and they had those, you know, the big at the fair, they have like two feet long, and you mm-hmm. fill up your own pixie yes. stick. Oh my god. <laughs> so good. I always felt like they made my mouth chalky, and then I was like like that it's kind of like a sour ish wasn't very very sour i'm not big into the sour things though so that's probably why i love sour ronald proceeded to give the kids their earning from the house before he received five pixie six so he gave three out to the kids that were with them and then saved one for the bates five-year-old daughter at home and the last one he gave out to a 10-year-old kid that they had passed by that they had known from church When they got home, the kids were allowed to have one candy, which I remember having the same instructions. (laughs) You only get one. I think we were like five. I want it all. (laughs) (laughs) Timothy chose the 22-inch pixie stick that his dad collected for him earlier. After opening it, Timothy complained that the sugar was stuck. Ronald helped him unclog the stick to free the sugar. Timothy then complained that the stick was bitter, so his father, Ronald, gave him a cup of Kool-Aid and sent him on his way. Later that night, Timothy woke up and complained of severe stomach pains, nausea, and convulsions. They rushed him to the ER, but an hour later, after he indulged in his one treat before bed, he had passed away. Wow. Okay, so I mentioned like the two feet, so these were the 22 inch. Were they in like that plastic clear container? It wasn't like brand name. So the one I saw, it was, I don't know if you remember back in the day when they were like white with lines on the sides yes okay yes so it was a plastic container it wasn't clear it was white with lines on the side and then the top had a paper that was actually stapled together okay okay gotcha ronald later told the press quote we thought we were so careful and we had wondered if we should even go out trick-or-treating this year there isn't going to be any more trick-or-treating for us end quote after autopsying the boy they found that he was poisoned There's enough cyanide to kill two or three grown men. And I say two or three because different articles state different numbers. But either way, that's a lot of cyanide for one child's candy. Um, yeah. And where do you even get cyanide? Like, isn't that, you can't find that like any old store in like a thing of rat poison, right? Yeah. So as I go on later, it'll be questioned where he does collect this, but we'll see. You can give me your best guess at the end. Police were able to collect the remaining four pixie sticks that were handed out that night in the nick of time. One of the boys was found sleeping with the candy in his arm, unable to beat temptation and the instruction of his mother, and tried to open the candy while in bed. 
but was unable to open it with the staple that secured it on top. After testing pixie sticks, there was over an inch of cyanide in each candy. Right away, they go back to Ronald to show them which house he had collected the pixie sticks from. At first, he was unable to show him where or what street, and after growing frustration, the police really pushed him, and Ronald was able to lead them to the house, where the man with the hairy arms gave him the pixie sticks. The hairy arms was the only description and feature that Ronald could give police of the man that allegedly killed his son. All right, well, Ronald is looking very suspicious. I don't believe his story, especially because no one else was with him when he got those pixie sticks. Yeah, and also, it's not like, yes, it's later at night and you're trick-or-treating, but if someone is giving you five you're large... You're like, I'm going to remember that gonna, house for exactly, next year. Firstly, you're going to remember that house. And second, you're not going to only look at this man's arms. Yeah. Unfortunately for Ronald, the house and the man that he had picked happened to have work at the Hobby Center as an air traffic control officer with an airtight alibi. He was at work all night, and his wife and daughter, who were home, turned off their lights earlier since they had ran out of candy. If this wasn't enough, they were also able to have a neighbor verify the at-home encounters as well. This clearly raised flags on police radar, who quickly looked to Ronald. After a quick glance, they saw he had over $100,000 in debt and had recently taken out up to $60,000 in life insurance on his children the month before the Halloween incident. The deeper they looked, they had also found that he had over 21 jobs within a 10-year stint. And he was also about to be fired from his current role after allegedly stealing something. It was not looking good for Ronald. Yep, definitely Ronald. (laughs) It's gotta be. There's no other explanation, dude. Also, why do you take out life insurance policy on children? I mean, I don't have children, but... It's not like children can provide you money. I can see like a life insurance policy on a spouse where if that spouse dies, then you have some sort of income, but like children. Yeah, so he had already had like a small life insurance policy on them because normally people do that to cover like funeral costs and things like that for their like final arrangements. But 60,000. Yeah, he had pulled out a 10,000 on each and then a 20,000 on each totaling in 60,000 together. So it was a lot for two children under the the age of 10. Yeah. To make matters worse, the strange behavior did not just raise police's eyebrows, but his family as well. After Timothy's funeral, the local news planned to air it on late night television and Ronald refused to stay up and watch it. His wife also stated that he had come into many accidents beforehand, such as his house mysteriously catching on fire when he had went at work and other weird coincidences. A local chemical plant also remembered a man dressed in scrubs coming in to buy some cyanide, but once he found out that the minimum purchase was five pounds, they left. It was worth to note that Ronald was an optician who wore the same uniform described by the chemical plant worker. If this wasn't enough, one of Ronald's professors, he was in night school at a local community college, stated that he asked a question like, quote, what's more lethal, cyanide or another poisoning? Why would someone ask something like that? End quote. Yeah, that's very sketchy. I guess going back, what would you even use cyanide for in a medical setting other than like poison? Well, I think it's fair to note what would ronald need with cyanide in yeah general definitely anyway. so like not, i don't think anybody needs cyanide right <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard of like hey, unless this- it's for like rat poison yeah or something like that but i i'm not sure for sure but with all of this ronald was arrested and trialed for the murder of his son 
During this time, he was nicknamed the, quote, Candyman Killer, end quote, and the man who killed Halloween. It took the jury less than an hour to find him guilty. His own wife testified against him and his crimes, stating that she had no idea what he was capable of or the plan he plotted to scheme. I can only imagine what she went through of having to grieve the loss of her son and then to find out that her husband was the one who did it all at one time. Yeah, that would be absolutely devastating. I am glad that she testified against him because that just goes to show that she had nothing to do about it for one, but also, I don't know about this time, but you don't have to testify if you're married, like, you don't have to testify against them, but she was like, no, like, this is my son. Yeah, I no, I definitely, that's why I noted that she even testified, because that, I mean, if you're married to someone, you're not legally obligated to testify against them, so mm-hmm. that just kind of really shows where she was at with that, because she's like, no, I don't have to do this, but I'm going I'm to going do this. I'm going to, Yeah. yeah. So I want to take you back to the raincoat. So it is theorized that whenever he fell behind the group, that he had actually already had the pixie sticks up the sleeve of his rain jacket. So whenever he fell behind, he just took them out of his jacket to then pass them on to the children. So I wanted to make sure, I told you to remember that, so I wanted to have full circle of why that was important because... If it wasn't raining that day or something else, then maybe the story would have been different. Unless a jacket was part of his costume if he did dress up. For sure. Although Ronald maintained his innocence the whole way through, the jury took less than an hour and ten minutes to sentence him to death by electric chair. Ten years later, and all the appeals exhausted, Ronald was put to death by lethal injection, as the electric chair was ruled inhumane at that time on March 31st, 1984. His last meal was brought up a lot in articles, which I find interesting. I go back and forth on last meals. Should someone who committed these acts have a right to a last meal, or should a last bit of empathy even be given to a person that has never even shown that before death? Anywho, his last meal was steak, fries, peas, and a Boston cream pie. What are your thoughts on this last meal business, Bren, besides the fact that he requested peas? <laughs> I don't think I would request peas. But yeah, I was like, that is so random. I mean, I do like peas. Yeah, I do like too, but it's like, I would not. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I So I think the last meal is more kind of like a tradition. I think it's just because it had been a tradition that we still do it. I've never really thought about how I feel about last meals but I do find them interesting yeah anytime I see like a story of someone on death row or think about because I watch all those shows all the time anyway so I'm always like I wonder what I would choose for my last meal but also like is it appropriate that you're allowed to have that but then in this cases where it's someone actually is innocent it's like okay at least they got that one last thing but then like the ted bundys of the world it's like did you did you even deserve that yeah that's true so i i don't know i feel like last meal is also like where i sit with the death penalty like should or shouldn't be allowed i i feel like that's kind of where the hesitation comes with because like i go back and forth all the time of like yes or like sometimes i'm like yes in the fact that you're a horrible person, but then I go back of like, also, I would much rather you spend the rest of your life in jail and yeah, never leaving. Yeah, I agree. I think the idea of the death penalty in general is a little bit hypocritical and that 
we're like as a society you can't do this this and this oh you did that oh you killed this person so now we're gonna kill, kill you. you it's like don't yeah. kill people or we're gonna kill you you know it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it really, doesn't like, make, make sense, sense. Exactly. yeah killing is wrong but we can do it um but then yeah like you said and the whole ted bunny thing i absolutely despise that man but yeah i think there are some cases where it's just like there's so much hurt that one person can cause that I'm like, okay, like, no, you don't deserve to live. Especially if they're religious, then if they, you know, ask for forgiveness, would they then be treated to that religious acceptance? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it's all sorts of complicated. It's definitely one of those things that's not cut and dry. There's a lot of gray area there Just like Jeffrey Dahmer, before Mm. he died, he was like, he turned his life around supposedly and became like a devout Christian. And then when he died in prison, it's like, well then does that mean he gets to go to heaven, you know? Oh, that's for the big man to answer. Yeah. (laughs) For me, it'd be a hard pass, but (laughs) that's why I'm not That's why I'm right here making those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. At his execution, there were over 300 people that showed up. There were people in costume, there were people protesting the death penalty, and there were people throwing candy, yelling trick-or-treat. People in the surrounding areas boycotted Halloween and even tried to cancel it. This brings to light of the saying that someone always has to ruin it for someone else. There have even been stories of candy tampering, but no other case has resulted in murder like this one. Definitely no one has ever been able to cancel Halloween, and I'm so glad (laughs) they haven't. There's a lot of different stories that I have heard about, like Black Halloween and and things like that. I also am confused at why people get so excited. Like, people show up on execution day, and, like, the crowds outside. I don't know. That was definitely one of the things I wanted to you to bring up because I have a really hard time especially even watching all the way back when they used to hang people mm-hmm. I do not understand the concept of gathering it's for that experience it's so morbid even for me I, I know and it's horrible and then it goes to what you were saying earlier it's like don't do this but we can do this but celebrate it, it yes yeah. and I'm like oh my god like and I get the protesters, but the people like yelling trick or treat and excited for this person to ultimately be expired. It's like, let's... and I understand like the anger, especially like if you're if it happened like in your city and it was like so close to you. Granted, like family members, if I was like a family member, I would be definitely in the room. But I don't get the people outside. Yeah, you know, like you had no involvement of this. And, so. Yeah, Why are it's you... just like that yeah. pent up anger, and it's like inappropriate to kind of show it off that way yeah and it doesn't make sense and then it just kind of goes like like you said if I was a family member I definitely want to be there and kind of see the end yes yeah where if you had no purpose in this case or this didn't ultimately I mean again something like this did affect the community because they were kind of hesitant like one of the detectives even brought up how much candy they received that year and then multiple years after Mm. of everyone just like kind of panicked but I don't know if that really warrants you to show up to his execution absolutely and then on the other side of that I definitely would encourage you to go and watch the interviews or like the clips from the news on this of course all the moms had huge hair and I was very into it I loved it (laughs) but they were kind of like we question our neighbors and question like going around and they were like really hardcore at the end they were like they have 
unsuccessfully tried to cancel Halloween, but they're trying again. <laughs> like it was what? very crazy. Dramatic. So and and it's just interesting because it was it wasn't even something like they got from someone else. Like this is a father tampering with his own child's yeah candy. And the fact that he did give it up someone outside of their little circle, I like could not even fathom. Yeah. And absolutely. I what I, I also I think maybe to make it look more realistic. Yeah. Right? But what I also was struggling with is were you just gonna wait till they did it themselves? Yeah. Like you weren't gonna be like, hey, let's all like have a pixie like, stick toast. <laughs> exactly. Like why would you not think to have that together or at once i feel like just kind of oh here's a pixie stick that i jimmy rigged and stapled back together mm-hmm. I, I don't understand what the end game was yeah i don't know it, i mean it's just like did you just want all these kids to randomly die at different times especially if you allowed your son to have that one right before bed you knew something was going to happen mm-hmm. so it's like if you didn't encourage everyone else to do it what was the end game what was the p- purpose and point of this yeah i agree but yeah, I think that was one of the, the biggest reasons is that like, he never admitted guilt and he just never went forward of saying anything ever of why they were like, you're ultimately guilty and the fact that you won't even acknowledge that this happened, you're in a whole nother category of people and individuals that warranted the death penalty yeah. for this one. Especially like your own flesh and blood, your own. Mm-hmm. And it, just for money, it seems like. It was just for money. But I think this case is just a reminder to practice safety with everything you do, even if it seems mundane. You never know what could save your life, whether you're looking both ways before you cross the street or checking the candy wrappers you receive for your Halloween candy haul. But whatever you do this spooky season, remember safety could save your life. And with that, that concludes today's regularly scheduled episode. We would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Please leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion, reach out to us through our website, logostories.net. You can also check out all the source materials for this episode while you're there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Logo Stories. We will be back with a new episode next week. Until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound, Nightmare, for our theme music.